Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Glad that you joined us this morning. Glad you're back to study the Bible with us. And that's what we're going to do for the next 30 minutes is answer your questions. That's all we do on this program is take questions from our viewers. You can get them to us on the phone number or the website that are on the screen all the time. And uh, we'll be happy to tackle whatever you've got. We'll take your question and put it in the stack of questions and get to it just as quickly as we can. Uh, if you send us an email, we'll get you a written return uh, answer pretty quickly. So uh, that's a good way to submit your questions. Go to our website uh, and answer. ask a question there on the form that's provided, and we'll get you an answer. But uh, we'll get it on the air as soon as we can. Uh, let me introduce the two fellows that help me answer questions each week. I'm Steve Tandy, and down there on the end is Jeff Martin. Hi, Jeff. Hi. And in the middle here is Toby Levering. Hi, Toby. Hi, Glad you're both here and ready with a few good answers for all these good questions, but we give our viewers one first. So here's your viewer question of the week. What does Emmanuel mean? You may have, uh, you hear that every Christmas in uh, some songs, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, what's that mean? And we'll give you the answer to it at the end of the program. All right, looks like I drew the first one, so I get to start. Here we go. Did Jesus die on the cross for everyone? or only for a limited number. Well, somebody's obviously heard about the doctrine of limited atonement, uh, which some people teach. It's a Calvinist doctrine that uh, Jesus' death on the cross was only for certain people uh, that God has foreordained to be in heaven, and the death was not effective for anybody else. Uh, you can find a few verses that kind of sound like that a little bit, uh, but to teach them as doctrine, you've got to do so against clear biblical teaching to the other side. So let's look at the verse that just makes it very, very clear. First uh, John chapter 2 and verse 2 says that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Uh, whole world kind of answers the question, doesn't it? Uh, he died for everyone. Now, in a sense, uh, it's not effective for everyone unless they claim it. So uh, he died for everybody. The price has been paid for everybody watching this program. Some of you have claimed uh, that benefit by obeying the gospel and doing what Jesus said, uh, putting your trust and faith in him. Uh, some of you have not. So uh, it doesn't pay for your sins unless you claim it. But very clear that his death was the payment for everyone's sins. And we hope uh, 
more and more folks claim it, but he died for everybody, not just for a limited few. Okay, Toby. the next question is if a person asks, if you had sex before marriage, but then stayed married to that person and stayed faithful to him until he died, does God forgive you? My answer to that is yes. I want you to understand this is a person who seems very, um, very concerned about a sin that they have committed in the past. Certainly, fornication, sex outside of marriage is a sin. And it's a sin like all sin. It, it, is, it is not what God wants. It's not the ideal. It's not God's will. But God has provided a means of forgiveness for that sin and atonement for that sin like Steve talked about. So you need to know Romans chapter 8, which won't be on the screen, but if you're in Christ, I want to remind you of it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Um, the one of the reasons that we need Jesus is to be freed from sin and death and the condemnation of the law, to be freed from the consequence or fr be free from the eternal consequences of sin. There might be consequences on earth, but we can be free from the shackles of sin. That's what Christ came to do: was to set us free. And uh, Paul says in First Corinthians six. Uh, speaking of people who had had a lot of sin and different types of sin, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And he lists very specifically here, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Bad news, right? Got to keep reading. He says, and such were some of you, and the key word is there is were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. If you've got sin, then you need a Savior, and that's the good news, that's the hope of the gospel. When you're in the gospel uh, of Christ, there's no condemnation. Let's look at one other scripture uh, that I would give you concerning sin and, and what to do about it. John chapter 1, uh, verses 7 through 9. I believe it's First John, but I, I mistyped it there. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, the light being Christ. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us. And the word here means continuative action, Cont purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Even in Christ, we have a means of dealing with sin, and John says we need to confess it, we need to, uh, to pray, we need to ask for forgiveness, and we can receive the continual cleansing of the blood of Christ. So I hope that helps you, and I hope it comforts you. Okay. Every. And yes, our next question actually actually is very similar uh, in question and in answer to Toby's. Um, it reads, the Bible says liars go to hell. Is lying a sin God doesn't forgive? 
Now, I'm assuming that the person that answered this question read this in a very familiar, very well-known verse in Revelation, which is Revelation 21.8. And I'll read that real quickly. It won't be on your screen, but just so we're on the same page. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Uh, it's very easy when we come across a verse like this to become anxious and become worried and become afraid. And it's verses like this that make me very thankful uh, for the other verses in the Bible that talk about uh, the blood of Christ that washes away our sins. And it's because of that washing, uh, like Toby said, that we now have no condemnation from our sin. So let's look together at Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So going back to that verse in Revelation, it's very obvious that liars and many different types of sinners are in danger of hell. Um, but if you are someone who has believed and been baptized, has participated in the death and burial and resurrection of Christ, and given the free gift of the Holy Spirit, then your sin has no power over you. And you are cleansed, like it talks about later in the book of Revelation, by the blood of the spotless lamb. So the answer to your question very simply is that lying, along with many other sins that we should not be committing, is a sin that God forgives through the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, thank you. That and all those questions that we've had so far kind of tie together. Uh, viewer asked, did Jesus die for the whole world? And you two added to that that he not only died for the whole world, but he died for all sins. <laughs> Some people worry about finding that one sin that he won't forgive, but uh, he died for all sins for all people. Let me take a moment and invite you to study the Bible with us. We uh, enjoy studying with you here for 30 minutes each week and answering a few of your questions, but uh, there's a whole lot more in the Bible than we could ever get to, no matter how long we're on the air. So we invite you to get into your Bible yourself. We think that's the best way to find out what God's will is for you in this life. Uh, and we've got some tools to help you do that. If you'd like a little help knowing your Bible, here's a set of lessons that we offer. First, it's a very basic, non-denominational, just good overview of the Bible. We'll send that to you absolutely free of charge. Uh, then after that, we've got some more advanced courses that you can stay busy studying the Bible for a long time with Know Your Bible Study Tools. If you'd rather not wait for the mail, uh, wait for us to send you a new lesson, you can do it online. And here's some online courses, oneway.worldbibleschool.org. Just log on there and answer a few questions, and you'll be signed up to uh, study the Bible on your phone or your tablet or however you want to study it, whenever you want to study it. So great way to learn the Bible. So all those are good ways phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. If you want more information, uh, give us a call or sign up online there and you can get started studying the Bible. 
All right, uh, got a question. I think I've got the next one here. Yes, I do. Romans ten thirteen, Acts ten two twenty one, says we are saved by simply by calling on the name of the Lord. Um, now that's a statement, not a question, uh, but because we talk about baptism and repentance and confession and other things on this show, uh, this viewer's pointing out to us that well, these two verses here. I say it's simple. All you got to do is call on the name of the Lord. Don't have to do any of that other stuff. Just call on the name of the Lord. Okay, those verses do say that. Uh, Romans uh, 10.13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It sure says that. Now, it doesn't say simply. Uh, our viewer added that. It just says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Uh, so my question for the viewer would be, uh, what is calling on the name of the Lord. And our viewer will have a hard time saying that it's simply calling on the Lord and being done with it. Uh, in the Bible, calling on the Lord means something else. Uh, there's a little more to it than just saying, Lord, I want to be saved. Now, I know that's what we a lot of people have been taught in this world. that You just pray a sinner's prayer or you just ask the Lord into your heart or whatever, that's not Bible. You can't find that in the Bible. Uh, when you call on the name of the Lord, there's a few other things to involve. Uh, let me give you one example, and we'll read a verse in just a moment. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who was formerly Saul, who persecuted Christians, uh, had an experience with Jesus, and he lost his sight for a while. He prayed and fasted for three days. Uh, he did all admitted that the Lord was the Lord. He called on the Lord, and the Lord sent a preacher to him and asked him, or first he healed him of his blindness, and then he told him the full gospel, told him what he needed to do. And at the very end of that little story, in Acts twenty-two sixteen, listen to what the preacher said to Paul. Paul said, or the preacher said, Ananias said, and now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. You see, Ananias knew that, yes, if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. But he also knew it involved more than just saying, Lord, I want to be saved. Uh, he said, you need to get up and get baptized, and that will wash away your sins, and you'll be calling on the name of the Lord. Okay, so uh, there's a little more to it than simply calling on the name of the Lord. One other thing I'd point out is our viewer gave us Acts 2.21 and Acts 2.21 does say everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now that's right in the middle of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. If you read the whole sermon, you'll start to get a little different picture than just picking one verse out and saying, I like this one. If you read the whole sermon, what Peter says, he quotes the Old Testament, says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he talks about Jesus and the crucifixion and all that. And at the end of his sermon, toward the end in verse 36, he says, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified Lord, both Lord and Christ. He said, he's made Jesus Lord. Now, I just told you whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God has made Jesus Lord. And you know what the next question was? Verse 37 the people said, what do we do? <laughs> if he's Lord, what shall we do? 
and we want to call on his name, what do we do? And in Acts 2.38, Peter gave them the answer. He said, if you believe, just repent and be baptized. Uh, then your sins will be forgiven and you'll be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, yes, Romans 10.13 and Acts 2.21 say, uh, you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. All you got to do is read a little bit further, read a little bit more, and you'll find out what calling on the name of the Lord entails. So it's not simply saying, I want to be saved. It's more than that. All right. All right. The next question is, uh, are you once saved, always saved? And my answer to that is, it depends on how you ask. If you are asking, are you uh, eternally secure in your salvation in Christ, and that cannot be taken from you, then my answer is yes. If your answer is, uh, are you unable by anything you do as a person, unable to ever at any point give up their salvation or fall away? And my answer to that is, well, the scripture warns. quite a few times uh, that you can choose to give up your faith in Christ. You can choose to turn away from Christ. Many chose to turn away from Christ in his earthly ministry. John chapter 6 verse 66 tells us this very sad verse. Many people turned away from Christ and no longer followed him. In fact, he turns to his disciples and says, do you, do you also want to leave? Of course, Peter beautifully says, Lord, to whom shall we go? But there were people in, in the ministry of Christ who turned away from Christ. There were people who were Christians in the New Testament that left Christ to go back into the world. And there are several places where uh, people are uh, called out for that. But, um, yes, a person can choose to give up their faith in Christ, to turn away from him, and to go back into the, the ways of the world. Very sad thing. It's not what God wants. And th- that's why the Scripture so often warns people against falling away. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, at the end of the chapter, uh, verse of chapter 1, Peter says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a warning against falling away, and there's a warning against falling or uh, uh, leaving Christ. The whole book of Hebrews, we've talked about that, um, was warning people to stay faithful to Christ. John, in the book of Revelation, says, Rem- uh, uh, be faithful unto death. These were Christians facing the choice to f- uh, remain in Christ or face persecution, or in some cases, execution. Uh, and John says, <clears throat> writes, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So there is that choice that we must have, that all of us have to remain faithful to him each and every day. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul says <clears throat> to the church at Corinth, he writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 10 through 13, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful. Be careful, he says, that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Once saved, always saved. In the sense of being eternally secure, yes, but you can, and many people have and did, choose to turn away from Christ, and Scripture warns us and shows us how to remain faithful and to choose Christ each and every day. Hope that helps.
All right, Jeff, we need a little translation here. Okay, we're going to take a little turn into the Old Testament, but uh, my question is, what does many tekel parson mean in Daniel 5.25? And actually, this is a really interesting story in Daniel chapter 5, and I'm going to attempt to describe it very quickly so we're all on the same page. But we have a king, King Belshazzar, who decided at a feast one night to take cups from the house of God and drink from them while praising idols. So he basically openly mocked God, and we know that nothing good can come from that. As they were drinking, a human hand appeared and began to write on the wall, and it wrote a message. Uh, No one in the king's entourage could decipher that message. No one understood what it meant until they remembered that they had a captive Uh, named Daniel, who was a man of God, who could decipher these types of things. And so Daniel came in, in Daniel chapter 5, and let's look at this in verses 25 through 28, and this is what he said. This is the inscription that was written, Many, many, Tekel Parson. Here is what the words mean. Many. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. And Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Everything that happened in this translation almost immediately came true. And King Belshazzar uh, died that very night. And this is actually where we get the common phrase, um, can you read the writing on the wall? (laughs) Good story. Mm -hmm. And uh, those words had a lot of meaning in them. Quite a translation job. (laughs) Yeah. He figured it out. All right, let me take time and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Churches of Christ provide this program, and we like to mention a few each week that support us. So here's a couple that um, might interest you if you live in Kansas. Uh, the uh, Agra and Mead are both congr- uh, little cities that have uh, Churches of Christ in them and be very happy to have you visit uh, it's quite likely that if you live in Agra or Mead, you you know somebody that attends the Church of Christ. I'd suggest you tell them. Hey, I was watching that program the other day and saw you uh, mentioned on there, and I appreciate you guys providing this program for us. Give them a little shout out. Uh, and if you're looking for a church home, drop in and visit them sometime. You'd be warmly welcome. Whatever viewing area you're in, uh, you're probably close to a Church of Christ, and we invite you to visit them or give them your thanks or tell them that you watch the program. So uh, visit the Church of Christ sometime. All right, I got a question about Judas. Was Judas forgiven for betraying Jesus? I think this is a pretty easy one. No, I don't believe he was. Uh, there's no indication that he ever was uh, because there's no indication that he repented. Now, he was sorry. Uh, he felt real bad about it and committed suicide because of it. But there's a difference between being sorry and having godly sorrow. And he was sorry, but he never indicated, the Bible never indicates, that he had godly sorrow. The Bible says that godly sorrow produces repentance. Uh, so we never see that Judas repented in any way. Now, part of this was... Uh, ordained in some way that we don't understand uh, but Jesus himself told us that no uh, Judas was not forgiven let's read John chapter 17 <coughs> excuse me John 17 verse 
excuse me, <coughs> verse 12 in the high priestly prayer, Jesus said, while I was with them, the apostles, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. All right, Judas in some way was doomed to destruction. So I think that confirms the answer that uh, no, he was not forgiven for betraying Jesus. Toby, you got time for one more? Yep, we got a belly button question. Uh, since Adam and Eve were created, not born, why are they pictured with belly buttons? Uh, well, that's a that's a question that, in fact, when I was uh, used to do youth ministry, we get teenagers are really good at belly button questions. And um, my answer to your question is, uh, you know, artists probably painted them with belly buttons because they've never seen a human being without a belly button. Uh, I haven't seen one that looked any different. But we, of course, understand that art, however good it is and however inspiring it is, is not inspired of God and it's not part of Holy Scripture. So uh, that's just a human being's vision of what it might look like, but you are right. Adam and Eve were created and um, very likely didn't have belly buttons, but there again, God could have created an indention if, if he wanted to. So, um, But uh, that's the what Scripture says is that we have... Um, the Adam and Eve were created, and then after that, human beings came forth. Let's look at from uh, scripture from Genesis, chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Adam made love to his wife Eve. She became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So with Cain and Abel, we... Uh, suppose and and uh, suppose that they was was beginning of belly buttons and um, maybe there's a larger point here than just belly buttons and that is this we answer a lot of questions on the program about Bible big questions and small questions uh, questions about big issues and questions more about trivial matters uh, you can believe that Adam and Eve had belly buttons or not and it's not going to affect things much okay only God and I guess Adam and Eve know. Uh, the answer to that. But may we not miss the bigger picture about the story of the Bible, the truth of God's Word, uh, of what Scripture is telling us. Uh, it's it's uh, from, from Genesis 1-1 all the way to Revelation, this the story of, of God and man and, and our uh, relationship and interaction and sin entering and being in division and, and keeping us from Him. And so the point is... All of that points us to Christ. And if we, if we focus on these little things and miss Christ, and we miss the promised Messiah, and we miss the atonement for sin, we miss the redemption of God, we, we've sort of missed the point. <laughs> so appreciate your Bible study. Appreciate those of you who study it. But may we not miss the big picture of what Scripture's all about and what God is trying to point us to. So... The answer to the question, probably Adam and Eve didn't have belly buttons. Uh, <laughs> but there's a bigger picture, too. All right. We got all sorts of problems from artists. You know, artists yep. painted things that we don't have any pictures of. So uh, they painted them, and we look at it, and we get in our head. That's what things look like. Yeah. Uh, I think I know what Moses looked like just because Michelangelo <laughs> painted him on the Sistine <laughs> Chapel. And I think, well, that's what Moses looks like. But 
Not necessarily. All right, well, Heston, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> I know what he sounded like. I know he sounded like Charlton Heston. All right, let's make sure we get our trivia question answered today. Uh, who wrote the book of our... I got the wrong trivia question here. What does Emmanuel mean? That's what we were on today. Uh, what does Emmanuel mean? And Matthew one twenty three tells us it means God with us. So that's who Jesus was. He was God with us. Glad you've been with us today and hope you come back next week. Until then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.